to Backboard Banter on the board with your hosts, Matt Middleton and Kevin Rayner, where the banter's as ferocious as that 2018 draft class. <sighs> I mean, names like Eaton, names like Trey Young, Luka even further back. I mean, let's not bring up Bagley and the Kings, but man, they're making waves in this playoffs. Dude, it was a deep draft that produced a lot of talent. I mean, JJJ's in there. Uh, there's some real deep, deep players. So it's going to be fun to watch it in the next 10 years, man. Matt, I think there was six, maybe seven players from that draft that are making waves in this year's playoffs. And we don't even have Shea. You know, there's tons of other names that didn't even make it this year. So you're right. Years to come, my man. Yeah, man, I wish we had traded up for Shea. There was rumors that we were we were targeting him in that draft, eh? Yeah, there's, man, there's always rumors that we're targeting the best players. It's like our front office knows what they're doing or something. Yeah, good thing that we moved up, but we'll talk about that in a bit, man. <laughs> yes, exactly. First, we have to go and look at our takes from last week, because Matt, I believe that we both absolutely killed it? That's got to be a first. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Normally, one of us misses, man. I bet you if you went back the last 46 episodes, there wouldn't be like a single week, maybe like maybe five weeks total where we I both mean, get a call right. I definitely did some scrolling last night looking through them and I'm pretty sure you're correct there because we're usually either going against each other or we're on different waves. But yeah, congrats to us. The Hawks did indeed stun Philly. I told you, man, I believed in them and they were out here still making waves and you were right with Tampa and points scored a goal. The legend that he is keeps putting in points. <laughs> I mean, dude, if we're going to talk about Braden Point, I may as well just go into the NHL at this point. Because, wow, is that Tampa Bay team prolific on offense? I mean, they've got Braden Point, who's one goal and one game away. Like, if he does it the next game in Game 7 from tying the NHL playoff goal-scoring streak. Wow. Crazy, yeah. Guys, Guys from Calgary, I'm pretty sure, eh? Yeah, man. He was a 79th overall pick. Do you know the story about how they got him in the draft? I do not. Tell me. Man, so basically uh, Steve Eiserman sitting back there with like, I think the 82nd pick and he oh. sees 79 pop up and he's like, someone's going to take Braden Point and I really want that guy. So he traded a 7th and the 82nd overall pick to move up three spots. Take wow. Braden Point. Worth it. <laughs> That's crazy. So worth it, man. He's a top 10 center in the NHL. And when it comes to playoffs, man, he might be top three. Like, the guy is elite. 14 goals and 17 games or something like that. Like, buddy. You got to respect the Islanders, though, right? Putting up this fight, the fact that it's going to go to game seven. Like, it's pretty wild when you consider what the Lightning have, you know, to, to fire out of their gun. Yeah, man. I mean, he's just one of their big guns. Kucherov. He's the fourth player in NHL history with three or more games of three-plus assists in the playoffs. Like, joining Gretzky and the boys, wild. But Matthew Barzell, man, he had something to say about it last night. He was in on both uh, regulation goals that tied it. And then a Blake Coleman turnover in overtime really quick ends it for them. So it's going to be tight, man. Game seven tomorrow night. Uh, Kucherov, he got hurt early in game six. So that 27-point playoff performer who's crushing the lead in, in playoff points right now they're gonna be missing him out for game seven they missed him all year so they're they're ready to play without him we'll see how it goes i mean i was just super impressed right the fact that they have an injury early on to a super important player right after getting shellapped in game five eight nothing like i was saying it the last few weeks you know this islanders team they're resilient they're going david and goliath type situation but 
if they can keep holding on and get past this Lightning team, I will be very, very impressed, my man. Yeah, man. And they've been going back and forth. I mean, they won the first game, Tampa won the next two, but then it's been rotational, man. After Tampa won the game three, New York, Tampa did slam them in that <laughs> game five, eight, nothing. They kind of quit on the game uh, once it was about four, nothing. And, Penalties started coming out of the out of everywhere. Matt Barzell cross checking a guy to the face, getting ejected yep. from the game, and, and five thousand dollar fine. Like pretty funny stuff. But hey, man, they're they're in it. And one one game, if you're gonna lose eight nothing, it counts the same as losing two one. It counts the same as losing you know yep. five five four. So it doesn't really matter that much. They got a game seven, and they just gotta show up. I mean, you got a lot to go there. I mean, if you want to talk about losing games early and then coming bouncing back, should we move on to you boys? Are we ready to talk about the Habs? Dude, those kids are all right. <laughs> I mean, geez, they've got the oldest players on their team. Uh, Eric Stahl and Corey Perry still chipping in on that fourth line and, and looking like they did back in 2010. I mean, not to the same extent, but still being effective players, especially in the playoffs. And then they've got this... Just these three young offensive dynamos. Suzuki, man, I'm so glad Vegas traded us for him. <laughs> like, just, wow. He's got 20 points in 26 playoff games in his career, 13 and 16 this year. Um, he got three points in the last game in that nice 4-1 win. Like, just all over the ice. Caulfield, man, the kid, every time he touches the puck, I feel like he can score. His shot is elite. The way he put in that Corey Perry goal last game, like, didn't even touch his stick for more than two seconds. Just right on his tape, right off of it, into the back of the net, barring in. And KK, man, I mean, he might be a regular season underperformer. A guy who's got, what, like, I think 60 points, maybe even less in 180 games. But, hey, man, when it comes to playoffs, he's tied with Sidney Crosby. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, Mike Medano for the most goals before your 21st birthday. I mean, granted, Cro um, Gretzky did it in 12, but hey, Crosby did it in 25 and he did it in 25. So pretty good company. I mean, Gretzky's the GOAT for a reason, but I'm happy for you, man, because I know how high you were on KK and how sad you were when he was just getting thrown around. And it's the consistency of these playoffs, right? The line mates that he's been able to play with that has allowed him to really show up. So I'm so happy for you. Yeah, man, he's he's finally got some stability next to him. I mean, Paul Byron and Josh Anderson, two fast guys who bring a little bit of, of different qualities. Anderson's more of a rugged player. Uh, Byron can get in on the on the hitting, but he's he's got the shots and uh, he's got the extra speed. I mean, those breakaway goals that he's been scoring this playoffs, just beautiful. Yep, Matt, I want to talk about Anderson, though, because game three was unreal. That overtime goal was crazy. I'm so glad that I tuned in because I was your luck charm for game three, bro. I can't believe it happened. Dude, what a great, great outlet pass by KK, but better play by Anderson to knock it down. Fantastic fake shot from Paul Byron. And man, easy tapping. I know Flurry kind of gifted Anderson that first one in regulation, but... Man, he worked for that OT goal. That's for sure. Like, I can't believe, because I didn't see the blunder. I literally tuned in with two minutes left to play in OT before that goal happened. And it's crazy that you got lucky that way. And 
from Flurry of all people to give one away is crazy, but you know, the mental, I think the, the boom that you guys got, even though you lost, you know, game four was a tough OT loss for you. You were saying it, that 4-1 win last night, like the boys are all right. Yeah, man. And you know what's funny about Flurry is that's not the first time he's done that in a big game. In the World Juniors for Canada, in the gold medal game against the United States, he throws it, tries to throw a puck up the middle, and it bounces off an American player right into his net. So oh, wow. he's known to make puck handling mistakes. Pierre Maguire on the NBC broadcast was talking about what a fantastic job he'd been doing all night, literally mm. seconds before he makes that play. Caster um, curse. Yeah, caster <laughs> curse, man. It sucks, but it happened, and... You know, they went to Robin Lehner in that game four, who played out of his mind. Fantastic. I thought it was a, a gutsy move to go there by Peter DeBoer. But to go back to Fleury, not that Fleury was the fault for last game, but still, man, now he's now he's kind of in a pickle because, you know, game six in Montreal, elimination game, who's he going to start? He's not tipping his hand, but I've got to think he's going Lehner. I mean, all I was hearing was that Lehner was going to start game five. So, again, I was surprised with you with Flurry, But, hey, you know, they've got the versatility. They're a strong team. And, again, nobody was expecting the Habs to be here. And the fact that you guys are one win away from the finals is insane, Matt. Closest I've been in my life, my friend. <laughs> I've never seen it. Um, even when 2014 happened and they got to the conference finals, they only got to two wins in that series. Oh, buddy. I mean... I would be remiss, though, if I didn't talk about Carey Price just a little bit because the guy's got 11 of 16 games in this playoffs with two or less goals, and Montreal is 10-0 and 0 when they score two or more goals. That speaks volumes about him. Oh, it definitely does, Matt. I'm loving Carey Price's old man, Carey Price, with the young boys run. I hope it continues for you, dude, because it has been fantastic to talk about this hockey the past few weeks. Absolutely, man. I have been jacked up. And Carey Price, man, he deserves it. So does Shea Weber, who's never been this far in the playoffs and could be his very first Stanley Cup final with Pricey. I'd love to see it. Man, it's just the year of, you know, those are forgotten. The people who deserve it and never got it. Because if you're done with hockey, my man, we can flip over to basketball. Oh, man. We could definitely talk about that old man who deserves it because he'll be back in game three, huh? Man, CP3, he's, I don't know if you've seen the videos, but he's just been at home isolating with his family, just like making TikToks and stuff, having an absolutely great time resting that shoulder of his. But yeah, coming back for game three, he's going to be out of protocols. No Kawhi Leonard. So Matt, this Suns team is looking to just chug along all the way. Yeah, man, we'll talk about how that series has gone so far, but you know, we picked it a couple weeks ago that we thought the Suns were going to do some serious damage and probably win, and they're proving us right, man. They're proving ain't, us right. Ain't that a fact. All right, let's move on because we got some coaching situations to talk about. Now, Rick Carlisle, 13 seasons, Matt. He was with the Mavericks. He's officially stepping away. I mean, we've talked about the whole Luka situation, but just this morning, comes out, signs a new contract. He's joining the Pacers, four years, $29 million. Matt, is this a winning move, do you think? Yeah, I don't know if um, the Pacers have a better roster than the Mavs. So he he left one team that probably was more on an upswing. But if you know he's having issues with the star, maybe it's easier to, to go to a Pacers team where there isn't really a true 
alpha. I mean, you could say Sabonis is the alpha, I guess, um, on that team. But I also like Malcolm Brogdon a ton. I think that was a big mistake by the Bucks yep. a few years ago to let him go. Um, I think they're proving that they would have liked to have him in this playoffs. Yeah, man, I think it's a good move for him. I think it's a good move for the Pacers. He's a proven coach who's got a, a nice track record in the NBA. So, yeah, good moves all around. We'll see how it pans out next season, though. Definitely, right. I, I think it's a win-win because, you know, the Mavericks are in a weird situation and getting a new coach for some new blood for the new era of Luka might be what they need. And then if you switch to the Pacers side of things, right, like obviously things didn't work out with our boar Nate. But, you know, this team getting a, an established presence like Rick to come in and kind of figure out what direction they need to go in, I think it's a pretty good play all around. Yeah, man, I think it's pretty funny, though, that they went from, like, a brand-new rookie head coach to a really seasoned vet head coach. Um, I guess Nate really, really left a sour taste in their mouth, which is sad, man, because he was, he was good for us, and I'd welcome him back on the offensive end with open arms. I mean, hey, he's joining Nurse's staff for the Olympics. So, I mean, I'm, I'm rolling ahead of myself too much, but you know, the possibility of him returning, but let's, let's roll back a little bit. Let's talk about the other main coaching hire that just happened. The Celtics, Brad Stevens is making moves like left and right, just happening. And the Nets assistant coach, um, is it Ima Udoku? Man, I'm yeah, I believe messing so. up names today, Udoka? man. <laughs> Maybe. Udoka. Udoka. But either way, this man has been an assistant coach for years, he's done. He's paid his dues, and I think this is a fantastic decision by the Celtics. Yeah, well, Brad Stevens said it, man, that he was probably going to get hired in this coaching cycle anyways, um, if not by the Celtics. So to snap up a, a great candidate like him, a guy who's really studied under Greg Popovich, um, who you know didn't have the most talent and athletic uh, career of, for himself but hmm. was able to kind of grind his way into a solid NBA career I mean when you play I think he played like I I was gonna say eight plus years in the, in the league like that's still a solid career for a guy who nobody really thought you know was gonna do much and he played for international teams before so he's got that experience in big tournaments I really like it oh yeah I'm I'm all on board. I think he's going to mesh well. I think him and the young stars, you know, Jalen, Jason, like they can have some relatability. And now we just have to see if the Celtics fan base will, you know, let him have some time to get going or if they're just going to tear him apart because we know what those Celtics fans can be like. Oh, man, they want results fast. And especially with a guy who he's replacing and Brad Stevens, who had so much success out of the gate, even with like lesser teams, like Isaiah Thomas was his main weapon for a couple of years there. Like he's got big shoes to fill, but you know, he's got the guy to lean on. So that's nice. I mean, it's the Celtics. So, you know, we don't want super great success for them because they are our rivals, but I'm super hyped about the situation. I think it's going to be really good. I love that, you know, we're getting a black hire this early on, considering we have so many open spots and the league has been, you know, advocating for it. So uh, you know, I hope it goes well. I hope the Celtics are just a little bit worse than us, but still good. That's that's my goal. <laughs> Man, I'd love to see it. <laughs> For sure. All right, so rolling into injuries, there's there's nothing this week big, but I do want to just ask a question, Matt, so we can talk about it because, you know, with the whole final situation where we're at, I look at teams like the Nets, the Lakers, the Nuggets, even the Clippers to an extent, who are all of them, unless the Clippers have magic, going to miss out on the finals. And they were expected favorites. And if not for these injuries, even with the great play that we've seen out of the Suns with what Trey Young is doing, I, I'm still of the mindset that we would be seeing a Nets 
maybe Lakers or Nuggets final. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, man. I think I think you're right. The injuries have really kind of tainted what the playoffs have looked like. I mean, the players have come out against it. Uh, LeBron has definitely talked to so, to quite some extent about it. Um, that Nets team definitely convinced me in the first couple games that if they had Kyrie, Harden, and Durant, I was wrong. They didn't need to mesh. When you've got three of the top six offensive players in the NBA, like it doesn't need time to melt. They just do their thing. And yeah, I think we'd be seeing Nets versus Lakers personally i mean jamal murray might have given the nuggets a boost but ad and lebron james how are you gonna pick against that right that's the situation right and man just to, to go back on Kyrie, i'm not a huge Kyrie fan and I, I never have been i don't know why that's the weird thing to think about but if before he went down as much as i hated it i was all in the nets i thought that there was nothing that could stop them because they were such a powerhouse and even with a hobbling James Harden if you had Kyrie at full strength beside KD because the historics that he put up I mean we're gonna talk about it so I don't want to go too far into it but yeah I I just have to bring up the injuries because we had I think seven all-stars or so it's the most all-stars in history that have missed games in the NBA playoffs so you know hopefully with you know a slightly short offseason and things getting back to normal next year we won't have to deal with this extra injury situation yeah, hopefully, man, we won't have to deal with it. Just to go back to that Kyrie thing, man, I'm not a big fan of, of who he is and what he does, Yeah, but the guy is amazing at basketball. I mean, to make a, a, a tough shot, he's one of the best shot creators in the NBA. Box period. office. Box office type of player, right? So, yeah, yeah. No, that's you, you explained my why I couldn't figure it out right there. But So let's, <laughs> let's roll on because we're going to flip back to the Celtics again because there's been a trade. I didn't even know that legally trades were allowed this early. Uh, I don't know if it's just like in agreement, but Kemba is out. Brad Stevens and him, they never really meshed well. And his first move, I think it was like a day or two, Matt, after accepting the job. He's got a Kemba trade and... Al Horford is on the other end, coming back to the Celtics. What's your thought on this? I think it's a pretty good trade, man. I think Kemba was not the player that they needed him to be um, for that championship caliber roster. I think he took away some touches from some from Brown and Tatum, um, and you need to put the ball in Tatum's hand a little bit more. I think he kept Marcus Smart on the bench a little bit too long, and I think Smart's defense fits better in the starting lineup. Um, they don't necessarily need that extra shot making and the extra passing um, that Kemba provides over top of Smart. They've had a big hole at center for most of the year. So getting a guy like Al Horford, who specifically can only really play the center, that was proven when he went to Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good move. I think it was, I mean, they did have to attach the 16th pick to it, so they paid to get him. Sam Pressy, man, he knows what he's doing. Yeah, I mean, it's... I love the idea of potentially having Kemba on the Thunder because, you know, they have the option to move him, obviously. They, they can they can get more picks for him and keep doing what Sam Presti's doing. But also, Kemba could be, like, a new CP3 for this team because let's not forget that this team is one Chris Paul removed from being in the playoffs last season and taking the Rockets, who had James Harden and Russell Westbrook, to seven games. Right? Yeah. So, you know, I think it's a, a, a massive win because everything that the Thunder has done apparently in the past two years has been massive wins. But it's interesting with Horford. I, I'm, it'll all depend on, on how that situation works out. But, man, trade season apparently has started. It's crazy. 
Yeah, man. And you know what's going to be a big one when Ben Simmons is going to be moved? Oh my god! A little early. <laughs> a little early. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about that because that's such a such an interesting conversation to have. But Matt, a couple things before we roll into those games. Let's talk about these rule changes that are coming because I mentioned James Harden's name earlier. They, as of next season, I believe it is, the, they're going to be cutting down on fouls for non-basketball moves. So the classic, you know, creating contact, jumping into your defender type situation. And Harden rules, man. Harden rules now apply. Thank you, League. Oh, oh my God. Watching James Harden sometimes, I know he puts up stats that are almost better than Michael Jordan. You know, averaging over 35 points a game. The guy's unreal at scoring. Yeah, he just makes it to the line like 15, 20 plus times a game. It's not fun basketball to watch. You can see him manipulating the rules to create the contact, which is just so frustrating. And you know what, man? From now on, the Harden rules are going to be synonymous with his scoring and that's going to taint his legacy as one of the great NBA scorers of all time. It's going to be the one of the best understanding how to cheat the rule book scorers of all time. Well, that's it. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how it affects things going forward. Because obviously if Harden can come back next season and put up 40 points on average, everyone will be like, oh, okay, the rules mattered, but he's still a legend, right? But I think about players like Trey Young, who are like the young generation who are utilizing that skill set that Harden has been able to use to get to the point that he has, who might have to change their game up a little bit. Now, Trey will be fine because he has the greatest floater in maybe NBA history. But it's just, it's crazy that rule changes are happening. You know, we've lived in an era where there hasn't been a ton of change to the NBA, at least I can remember in the past few years. And there was tons that happened in the past because of this player and that player. So I, I like it. I think it's a great thing for basketball. You know, free throws are fine, but if all you're doing endlessly is shooting for fouls, you know, like, I don't know. I don't like that. So I'm happy. Man, it's not why people watch the game. I mean, they're already talking talking about it this week about how that game two was dragged out between the Suns and the Clips. We'll get there, yeah. but it's bec- nobody wants to see fouls. Nobody wants to see the game decided by a referee. They want to see you hit a shot. They want to see you make a guy miss and then go for a dunk. Like it's not about getting a foul. So, I'm I'm all for it and I'm pumped up about it. Beautiful, beautiful. All right, let's roll into these all rookie teams cuz we still got a couple things before we can talk about these games. They came out, like, man, I want to say three, four hours after we recorded last week, as it always does. But, you know, the rookie teams are pretty straightforward. Names on here I'm pretty happy about. First team is LaMelo, Edwards, Halliburton, Sadiq Bey, and Jayshon Tate. Second team, quickly, Desmond Bain, Isaac Okoro, Isaiah Stewart, and Patrick Williams. No Malachi, sadness, but, you know, Matt, I think they, they did pretty good with these rookie teams. No, man, I think they did really good. And in all fairness to Malachi, he wasn't really on the court all that much for us until the end of the season. So kind of skews it a little bit. Those guys played most of the season with their team, made actual impacts on, I guess they weren't that much worse than us teams. But hey, we had better players. I mean, Freddie and Kyle ahead of Malachi, it's hard for him to get minutes. There it is. Yeah, exactly. I I just have to bring it up because he had such a great close to the season. So hopefully that's like, a sign for the future, obviously. But yeah, interesting situation. I like a lot of the names on here. No real surprises. Definitely no real surprises. But man, talking about that rookie class to the draft lottery where we move up to four, it's not number one. It's not Cade Cunningham. But hey, man, 
there's a plethora of players at four. I mean, we're going to get one of the top four players left, which is nice. Man, I was giddy. I had like, I was upstairs making a bagel and I came downstairs and they were already revealing the 12th pick and I was like, oh no. And then I was watching it and I got so hyped when we moved up. And then after a minute, I was like, okay, we probably got the fourth pick. Let's be honest. That's just how it works. You know, they're not going to give us too much. And then they pulled our card and I was like, well, either way, the fact that we get to move up, like we've, I'm pretty sure we were the only team besides obviously Detroit that moved up. Um, cause they would have had the second best chances, but super exciting for us. Number four is a great spot when you consider this draft, you know, we're probably taking a Jalen, whichever one falls and, ah, uh, Matt, I'm just excited. I'm really excited after that. Yeah, man, we're definitely going to take the, one of the two Jalen's. I mean, unless somebody really doesn't like Evan Mobley, but you're right, man, we've got options here. Um, Jalen Suggs, you, you talked about it before, could be a, a bigger Kyle Lowry in, in, in a, in the future role. Jalen Green could solve our half-court scoring issues. The guy was a legit flamethrower in the G League this year at, at 19 years old. And Evan Mobley, we need a center. Yeah. So, hey, go get him. Well, that's true. Okay, let's just keep this Raptor chat going, and then we'll talk about winners or losers of the draft before we move on. Because, Matt, I have to bring it up. That seven-game losing streak we went on at the end of the season to fall below a team that lost their draft pick? Like I was oh, so poor Chicago, right? You have to think about what we did to close the season to get this pick happen and Chicago losing their pick. Like, I mean, we talked about the, the possibility, like Orlando sitting here with five and eight is pretty epic. But for us, the boys, the fact that we could have a future tall Kyle Lowry for eight years locked in, that we could have a first option shooting stud in green, or if, you know, we get Mobley who solves our center problems. Like we're in such a good spot coming out of this lottery. Like Raps fans have to be so, so, so happy. Even if we didn't get Cade. The one drawback about the fourth overall draft pick is over the last 20 years, not a great selection. I mean, you do get Westbrook. Great. Chris Stapps. Jaron Jackson Jr. Could still prove to be a really good all-star. Mike Conley's a good player, but not not really a franchise-altering player. Sean Livingston, if his knees had held up. True. Um, and then you got two Hall of Famers in, in Bosch and CP3. I mean, last time we drafted fourth, we did get a Hall of Famer, so not bad. Uh, yep, and I, I do have to bring it up, even though he's not the fourth. You know, you go back to 98, Vince Carter was taken fifth. We took Antoine Jameson fourth. We swapped them, so Raptors luck in fourth could go well. Either way, Matt, I'm a happy fan today. Um, definitely a happy fan about it. Uh, can't really complain about moving up in the draft lottery, especially when it's all about the top four players in this draft. So yeah, I'm good. Yeah. Top four. I love that thought. When you actually look at the way the lottery played out, obviously the Pistons got really lucky and Detroit basketball is back. Unless of course they take Jalen Green because there's rumors that they like Jalen Green, which is crazy. Take Kate, please. Detroit. If, don't, don't pull Figure a case. Don't pull a Kings. Don't do it. But, don't talk uh, yourself into it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, you know, I look at the Warriors who have 7 and 14. You know, they're in a great place. They could do some packaging with that. You know, I see, obviously, Orlando, I mentioned it earlier, having 5 and 8. That's pretty sick. 
I feel kind of bad for Oklahoma. You know, they fell out, you know, so they didn't get the Rockets pick. They had their beautiful chance at getting two top two picks. But I'm pretty sure they have, like, six other picks in this draft, and they have, like, 16. So I think they'll be okay. They'll but, be fine, uh, man. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, I enjoy, you know, I enjoyed the lottery process. As much as I never want to be there again with the Raptors, I enjoyed being there this year. Definitely never want to be there again, man. Ever. <laughs> All right. Okay. So let's move along now. I guess we, the only other thing I want to bring up for Raptors chat is that Sergio Scoriola is leaving us. He's going to Europe to be a head coach, but sad. Maybe that, that'll allow Nate to come back and be the true head assistant under Nick Nurse. But enough about all of that, Matt. Shall we talk about the games that happened last week, the quarterfinals? Because, I mean, ups and downs, things happened where you expected one team and then another team's here. Like, it was a wild week in basketball. Dude, which ones do you want to start with, though? Should we should we just do Bucks Nets because that's probably the one we care about the most? I'm in. How the Bucks came back after losing that epic game five. Durant looking, he looked human, I guess, in game six with 32, 11, and three, but otherworldly in game seven. And if it weren't for his size 18 feet, man, oh we'd be talking gosh. about the Nets. I was, man, I, I I love you, Allison. I was trying to explain how crazy this shot in Game 7 was for Kevin Durant to her. And she was just like, you know, staring at me like, mm-hmm, yep, totally get it. Like, I'm doing the explanation of the move. He catches the ball. He he does the turnaround move. It goes up and takes arguably one of the greatest shots in NBA history. And he, if you the zoom in, Matt, right, on his seekers, the fact that he is absolutely just barely touching the line, like... Oh man, Bud Bud was praying for his job right there in that situation. And you know, if we if we roll like cause game six we don't really have to talk about. You know, Giannis and Chris put up sixty-eight points. Milwaukee played great. Brooklyn didn't have enough bullets in the chamber. But game seven was crazy. The Bucks, I'm pretty sure, had like eighteen offensive boards, which won them the game. I'm gonna say that right there. But the fact that, you know, Giannis had thirty-eight points, Durant had forty-eight in regulation. You know, everybody was absolutely gassed in that OT. Like, I felt bad in the fact that, yeah, I felt bad that KD, you know, airballed the the second chance, right, at taking that shot because it it should have been over. He should have won that game in regulation. And uh, the OT was kind of sad, you know, only like six points scored. I'm pretty sure um, the Bucks went like, or sorry, the Nets went like one for 11 in overtime. Like, Joe Harris absolutely sold a wide open shot. It was painful. but. Yeah, yeah, a few, exactly. Dude, <sighs> we were texting back and forth being like, what is going on? Someone win this game. <laughs> Just take it. You both are missing shots like crazy. But it was an epic game, man. And uh, you, when you have KD dropping the most points ever in a game seven and Giannis dropping the fourth most, um, I think it came down to the hustle plays, though. Like the offensive rebounds, the Bucks created more turnovers. They had more blocks, but... Yo, the Lopez block. Oh, buddy. The redemption block. Like, his his like entire life was over with the play. He made, like, a J.R. Smith-type At the end, blunder. Yeah. And then somehow comes back and makes that amazing block. Like, all credit to him, for sure. Definitely, man. You got to pull it out when it matters most. And he found it within himself to to help that Bucks team win after that horrible blunder. But, hey, they're in the conference finals. The Nets aren't because KD's shoes are too big. So... Next time, next year, the Nets are, are going to be back here next year. Like, oh, yeah. I'll guarantee it. For sure. I will say, Matt, I think that the series did deliver. I remember when we were talking about it last week and before that we weren't sure if the series, series was delivering. But after that closeout, 
I think so. When you had a 50-point blowout in the first two games, you were pretty nervous that it wasn't going to be that competitive, but it proved to be super competitive at the end. Um, it makes me worried about the Bucks, though, because if they don't win this year, man, I don't see them winning anytime soon. Ah, oh, so true. All right, let's flip over to the, the Hawks 76ers game then, and we can talk about why we're worried about the Bucks. because I told you, Matt, I told you, I didn't believe in Philly. Trey Young shot the lights out of the building multiple times. Like, there's so much to unpack about this series, but I guess it all comes down to Ben being an all-star and Trey not being an all-star, right? <laughs> oh my God, that is such a bad, bad look for the league, <laughs> man, at this point. Because Trey Young looking like the next Steph Curry, like, oh my goodness, can he shoot the lights out? He didn't have a great game seven. He was bailed out by Kayvon Huerta. Uh, they apparently call him Kayvon <laughs> when he shows up and he's dropping buckets, not Kevin. Yeah. Uh, so I like that. <laughs> but Ben Simmons, what are you doing, man? You got a dunk on Trey Young. You're a foot taller than that man. Put it in the basket. Oh, man. Thibault's face after he has to try to go up to make that bucket. Ugh, Why? So, so much to break down. Yeah, Trey went 5 for 23 in that game 7. And the best part was is that is including that epic three-point shot that he drained at the end of the game. He was cold. He was so cold, and yet still no fear. But, yeah, the story of the series is that Simmons' mental was broken. Like, obviously, game 7 was kind of... Kevin Herter and you know Seth Curry going back and forth one and the other you know neither could guard each other but also both of them were putting in buckets but I mean Simmons attempted three bas three buckets in the fourth quarter of the entire series and most of those were in game one and game three like he was so terrified and it's sad because yeah that dunk should have been his his bread and butter man he is a Giannis-esque player with the way that he does things but he just he can't figure out his jump shot. So it's going to be really interesting to see what, what Philly does. You were joking about Ben Simmons trades. I think that they'd be stupid to trade Ben at, you know, the, the value that ben he has now. Dollar. Yeah. yeah. But also like, you know, Kyle Lowry for Ben Simmons straight up. I made this last week. Anyways. Him in Portland would look pretty nice too, man. I mean, with CJ McCollum trade, that, that would work out. But I want to go back to what you said about Trey Young and the no fear. He was cold. And he still takes that shot thinking yep. he's going to hit it. That's the mentality that you have to have in the NBA. Because as soon as you start getting into your head about it, which Giannis is in his head about it and Simmons is in his head about it, that's when you get even worse. These guys were better shooters at a younger age than they are today because they're just broken mentally. It's wild. Yeah, man. It's it's crazy what's happening I love the confidence out of Trey. You know, we're going to we're gonna talk about him more when we talk about this Bucks Hawks game one, but are you ready to move on? Can we talk about Jazz Clippers now? Man, we thought the Jazz were going to win, and I don't <laughs> want the Clippers to win, and they lost Kawhi. And yet, you know what? PG-13 showed up, and Terrence Mann in game six, oh. have yourself the game of your life, dude. Seven of ten for, from deep, 39 points. I mean, two rebounds, one assist, whatever. He almost dropped 40 in a game six. It will officially be known as the Terrence Mann game. But Matt, the worst part about game six is that I have to give credit to Pat Bev because he had some massive three-pointers in the fourth to close. And obviously Paul George and Reggie Jackson were doing great things since Kawhi went down. But Matt, this series exposed Rudy Gobert 
for the lie that he is as defensive player in the year. Because what we saw was we saw somebody who is the greatest rim defender of our generation, let's be honest. But guess mm-hmm. what? You can't defend the rim and your player out on the three-point line. And there's a reason Terrence Mann put up 39 points, because he was the defender. He was sorry, he was the guy that they were putting Rudy on. And Rudy was like, oh, I gotta stop them from making plays into the paint. Oh wait, Terrence Mann's gonna hit another three in your face. Like it was such an exposure of why the the modern day big is so different than what we've seen in the past because of what five out shooting can do. And as much as I'm sad for the Jazz to lose, this is a wake up call for that contract that they gave him. Absolute wake up call on that contract. They're just, I don't know, man. Utah did so well this season. Donovan Mitchell, I mean, he dropped in how many points in that game? I think 39 and they still lose like, Go Bears got a massive contract, which I didn't think he deserved. And they're kind of he kind of proved us right in the playoffs here. I mean, we have to give credit to the Clippers, though, because they made some massive comebacks. You know, Staples Center was absolutely wildin' for this team. So we have to remember, like, they were down 25 points, I'm pretty sure, right? Like, the Clippers had, like, I think they put up 79 points in the second half in Game 6. Like, Tyron Lou, all credit to you. There's a reason why the Clippers are in the conference finals right now, and the Jazz are not, as unfortunate as it is for us. Yeah, man, and two series in a row going down 0-2 and coming back. And, I mean, do you just want to go into Suns Clips, man? Because three series, three series they go down 0-2. I don't think they're coming back in this one, though, man. I think the Suns have got this. It's it's crazy, right? The versatility when you think about what they have overcome. But remember, that was the Mavericks, who don't have a team, let's be honest, and the Jazz, who have a really exploitable situation and live and die by the three. And the Clippers are a great three-point shooting team. The Suns, though, a different beast. The way that Aiton can absolutely destroy them on the inside in a way that Gobert never could... And Booker absolutely showing up in CP3's absence. Like, man, it might be a sweep, honestly. Um, What is so wild about the game one and game two is game one, Devin Booker shows up, right? Like, he drops that triple double. First in his career. Points with, with 11 assists. I love after the game how they got on the phone with CP3, him and Aiden. <laughs> yeah. And Aiden's talking about the assists. Like, CP3 takes them away, technically, from Booker as a joke. Yep, yep. <laughs> and he's the hero. And then that game two with 0.8 seconds left, the tap-in. Like, Aiden's your hero. So they've got their young studs finally popping off. And they're getting CP3 back for game three, like we already mentioned. Yeah, it's going to be tough for the Clips. We have to talk about the end of game two, though, because... Man, Paul George was having a game. He had nine points in the final three minutes of that game. Everything was going right. The Clippers were making it happen. I was like, there's no way the Suns are going to pull this off. But that circus shot from Jay Crowder, legendary. One second left. Everyone in the building is like, wait, what just happened? Clippers are like, no, that's goaltending. But it's so clean. It's so well drawn up. Like, all credit to Monty Williams. Like, he is doing great things for this Sun team. But, man, I'm so impressed with these two kids right now and what they're pulling off. And, Paul George, I can't believe you missed those free throws, dude. What are you doing? 
PG-13 showing everybody that he is playoff P and not in a funny way during that game. You're right, man. He orchestrated that 6-2 run with the last with 40 seconds left in the game to get them that one-point lead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he shows us why we, we all make fun of him, man, because <laughs> he's an 85% career free-throw shooter. Crazy. And he missed both. If he just hits one, man, they go to overtime. They don't lose that game. Like, it is wild. Absolutely insane that he would miss both. And it proves kind of why people don't back him in the playoffs, right? When the lights are bright, he seems to miss his shots. So, sucks that that happened on live television for everyone to watch. But, hey, man, he's got to figure it out. They've been down in this hole, like we said, the past two series, so maybe there's a chance? I mean, I'm excited to see what they'll do at Staples, right? Because the fan base has really given them life in the Staples Center, and they've been here before, so I can't I can't sell them out yet, but man, Suns are going to the NBA Finals. That's all I can see out of these first two games. Definitely, man. And you're right. You never lose a series if you don't lose on, on home court slash home ice, so they're still in it. Just yeah, a big hole. You want to talk about a team that doesn't care? The Hawks, who have, I think, six road game victories already in this playoffs and are up 1-0 on the Bucks. Matt, Trey Young is wild. Dude is amazing. He was the whole reason they won that game last night from start to finish. I mean, their team was looked shaky, looked a little off, but he willed them to that victory. And poor Giannis, man, because he just doesn't have enough around him. Drew, Drew Holiday looked unreal in that game, and it wasn't enough for both of them to do it. Chris Middleton, give your head <laughs> a shake because sometimes you're on fire like you were in game six. You know, he goes 11 of what, 15 in that, 11 of 16 in that game six, but he was mm-hmm. putrid in that game one last night. Trey Young, though, second youngest player ever to drop 45 plus, 10 plus in a game, in a playoff game. Guy got traded for as the youngest. Not a bad swap, man. Not a bad swap. He has so much confidence, right? And it, it kind of, it, it spreads out through the rest of that team because, you know, Gallinari hasn't looked great. John Collins, who I thought was going to get traded at the beginning of the year, has absolutely increased his stock. That off-the-backboard dunk that Trey threw to him, whoo, baby, what a play. Dude, like, that final three that he splashed. Yeah. He was unreal. It's it's amazing, right? Like, I, I'm, I'm loving that this Hawks team is here. Matt, I also have to bring up this crazy stat. Did you know this is the... The first time since 1994 that there's no number one seed in a conference finals in the NBA. So my entire life since I've been born, there's always been a number one seed. And here we are finally and things are changing. Dude, isn't that the year that Michael was playing baseball? Mm-hmm. Coincidence, eh? I think, I think not. not. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But that it's pretty exciting that, you know, a new team is you know, winning or a new fan base who's been waiting 50 years almost is going to get a ring. Like the Hawks, 1958, the Suns, you know, 1969, the Clippers, 1971, the Bucks, they won in 71. Like this is history in the making for a franchise. So it'd be crazy to be a fan on either side. Definitely, man. It's, 
I know we said last year was probably one of the most wide open races that we had seen in years, but it still ended with a LeBron title, which, you know, predictable. <laughs> but this year, man, anybody's game. The Bucks, the Hawks, the Suns, the Clips, all brand new teams at this point to, to this stage um, that we haven't seen in the past couple of years, maybe just the Bucks, but man, I I'm loving it. I'm thinking though that it's gonna be Bucks Suns and Suns are still gonna win. I mean, we called that a few weeks ago. I'm still feeling pretty good about it, especially after that 2-0 series win. Don't love what I saw from the Bucks, but it just makes me feel like they're gonna lose in the finals even more, you know? <laughs> Matt, I brought up a, a fun stat to you. I think it was last week about how, you know, the NBA finals have featured one of LeBron, Curry, Kawhi, or Kobe in the past fifteen or so years. So if we want to follow that trend, even though Kawhi's injured, the Clips should technically win this title this year. But man, are they the the in my opinion the least possible of all of them to do it? Because I don't think they're getting through the Suns. And I mean, I would love to see Trey Young absolutely light up the Clippers if he could. So it's gonna be a crazy finish to the playoffs, no matter which direction it goes in. Yeah, I'm excited about it, man. Um, anything else you want to talk about uh, with these teams and these games, or are we going to go into the Mystic predictions? Uh, I do want to bring up the fact that uh, Chuck is 2 for 13 on guarantees in this playoff, so uh, fan bases out there, if you're watching TNT before a game and Chuck guarantees your team is going to win, start praying that he's wrong, because he has never, I mean, I guess twice he's been right, but usually he is very, very wrong. <laughs> yeah, pray that he's right, man, because... <laughs> He, he throws out wild claims, though, that, man. It's it's good TV. They're very entertaining, but sometimes, man, their takes are just way off. But, yeah, that's why, that's why they brought them on there. It's just for entertainment. This ain't for basketball. It's entertainment. Yeah, man, and it's the name of the game when you're making picks. Um, everything's a 50-50 coin toss. That's why we play the games, right? Hey, man, that's why we play the games, too. All right, Matt. You ready for some takes? Tell me, what do you got cooking this week? Dude, I'm, I'm seeing a sweep. I think the Suns team without CP3 won back-to-back. They're getting CP3 back and no Kawhi Leonard. Yeah, they're going to sweep the Clippers. And also, uh, Lightning are going to win tomorrow night, and even without Kucherov, and go to the Stanley Cup final. I'm not going to touch the Montreal series. Please don't make it. <laughs> yeah, we got we to gotta stay away from that. Just, okay, I'm going to go to the other side of basketball. I'm in a weird situation because I look at this Hawks win, right? Like they came out and everything tells me that it's just a game one fluke potentially. And that, you know, history will say the Bucks are going to win in five. They're going to come back and they're going to steamroll them after game one. But man, I don't trust Budenholzer and Chris Middleton is straight up selling. I'm, I'm going to say it every week because I'm sorry, you cannot shoot six for 23 in a conference finals as the number two option to Giannis. Anyways, this is why I'm saying Hawks in six. I really would like it to be Hawks in five, so it's a lesson. But at the end of the day, Trey Young in the finals, baby. Hey, that would be crazy for him, man. Against the the Suns, one of those 2018 players is going to win a ring, man. Would be hey. pretty insane. <sighs> It would be insane. That class we're going to be talking about for years. Hopefully, you know, Gary Trent Jr. from our boys can make some waves, but epic week in basketball, awesome week in hockey. Matt, we're coming down to the end here. It's pretty crazy. Playoffs are almost done. I'm kind of sad. I know, dude. It's it's wild because even though it, it it's our first full season of doing the podcast with this, uh, 
just happened too fast with the shortened season. Man, time just absolutely flies by. But anything else, my dude, or shall we wrap up? Nah, man, you can wrap us up. Perfect. Well, thanks, everybody, for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Board Sports. Like and subscribe if you're listening from YouTube. And check out TheBoardSports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time.